Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Brian, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Cathy. How are you this morning? I'm well, I'm well. I must say, a bit shaken up by this violence that's taking place in Mitchell's plane, but we'll keep an eye on it and find out exactly what's happening yeah, there. Yeah. You, you know, it, 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 it's, it's absolutely frightening and, and, and scary, isn't it? Because this sort of things can spill over to all different areas and it's just absolutely scary. Mm, mm, so, definitely. So. I think it, it must have been chaotic, in particular for the motorists that have been driving through that area for uh, for this morning. And you can see in some of the videos that have been sent, you know, people are, are screaming, cars are trying to get out of the way so that they're not struck by any of these petrol bombs. So a very concerning situation mm-hmm. indeed. So yeah, while yeah. we keep an eye on that, Brian, of course, we're still going to continue with our session with you talking finally today and uh, before we get into the financial plan matters that you wanted to address perhaps let's begin with the um, issues that we handled last week in particular question around legal judgments that you wanted to deal with well someone asked me about how long a judgment lasts and I really didn't have the answer but I did consult with a senior attorney his name is Stan Fanroff and he gave me the answers, and I'll just let our listeners know, because a lot of people have had judgments taken against them over the years, and that's what I was saying last week. Before you get a judge, before you get a judgment taken, please speak to anyone you owe money to try and make sure you don't get judgments taken. For this reason, a judgment is good for 30 years from the date of judgment. Mm. If a judgment is recorded against you, in other words, if you just ignore money you owe and it's taken, you get what they call blacklisted. Although there are various other descriptions with a publish which in effect mean the same thing. Example, adverse credit report. The law provides that in certain circumstances you can apply for rescission of a judgment by way of an application to court providing that you can establish the following. Either that the judgment was incorrectly recorded against you without your knowledge and that you have a good and bona fide defense in respect of the claim that the judgment was granted for. In other words, you don't owe the money. But most people, it isn't about not owing the money. More recently, the law was amended to add another basis to enable one to apply for rescission of the judgment. And that is on the basis that the debt has since been paid in full and that the judgment creditor gives written consent to such an application. So if you've owed money in the past and you've paid it off, you can go to that particular creditor, the person you paid off, and they will give you consent to have that application removed. The advert listing lasts for five years, notwithstanding the fact that the judgment is valid for 30 years. So mm-hmm. people can't just walk away. That caller we had, that, wasn't, that was not the only caller, unfortunately, that has judgments taken against them. And, it's, and once you have a judgment taken against you, it is so difficult to get credit going forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely impossible. So I hope that answers the question for the particular caller, and I hope it answers the question for many other people. And to avoid judgment, I'm just repeating what I said last week. Please, anyone you owe money to, speak to them, come to some arrangement, let them know where you stand, but try to avoid a judgment being taken against you. Mm. So, so, Brian, the best thing to do, even once you have paid your creditors, is to not think that the problem will go away on its own. You have to be active in, in getting that judgment cleared. 
Yes, you've got to get written consent. Sometimes it's done automatically. I doubt it's done automatically. I don't need to tell your accounts department. They eventually accounts settled and nothing further happens. Mm-hmm. You've got to go to that 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 institution or, or store, whatever the case is. They will give you a letter confirming the pay. The payment has now been made. You 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 then then I'm, where you send it. I'm not quite sure, but. Uh, um, now you need to get an answer. Where would you go? Where would you actually send it to uh, to get that judgment removed? I, I, you know what I'll do? I'll just find out next week where you send it. <laughs> Never thought about that. Yeah. All right. Okay, Brian, no problem. We'll take it one session at a time, okay? Yeah. One one program at a time. Okay. Uh, let's then talk about uh, financial planning. And you and I have had uh, this, this conversation quite a bit, but when we look at perhaps the questions that were often asked, or well that you are often asked on the show um, it, it, it comes down to the basics sometimes that we're simply not doing the basics when it comes to the financial plan that, that you advise us to have yeah, well, I, th- I think everyone always says to me you know I always talk about an estate investment retirement and a financial plan and people always say well what actually is a financial plan so I thought this morning I would just explain what a financial plan you know a financial plan is a long term investment Putting things in order and preparing for the future by budgeting well, increasing investments, returns, looking at insurances, reallocating current assets, or, or these are all key to achieving your financial goal. But it consists just of more than just saving and investments. A significant component of your plan, you know, should be your insurance, and that's very much your life insurance. And, and, and yet you need to know how much is needed to protect your family in the event of your own premature death. And so often the breadwinner needs to ask themselves, how much would your family need should you stop working? I've spoken about how you calculate life insurance by knowing how much debt you've got. That's simple. Mm-hmm. That's clear. How much education will cost for your children. Nothing more important than education for your children. That's the best gift you can give them. How much will that cost? So you can work out exactly how much life insurance you need there. And then the most important thing you need to know is how much will you need if you stop working or if you die? You need to take into consideration what your pension is and if you need extra benefits of insurance even when you retire because only 6 to 8% of South Africans can ever retire comfortably. The rest will either rely on the state or on family or have to continue working. And you know today when you get to over 60s, companies are not re-employing. Companies are letting, letting people at retirement gain. They're actually forcing retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean we even had last year government uh, uh, coming up and, and giving options and, uh, for early retirement. We had the same thing at um, SABC. So you need to take into account, it's also important to take care of also yours and your family's long-term welfare. How would you take care of yourself if you fall? You know, I ask people, particularly single people, if you had to unfortunately get COVID, who is actually, have you, do you even know who's going to look after you? What is going to happen? Because you talk about people being in isolation. Where, what will you do? And I know this it doesn't sound like part of a financial plan, but it is part of your plan. Mm-hmm. Planning to know if you get COVID, what are you going to do? Who is going to be there to help you? Um, you also, you need to make sure that you, the whole picture is recorded. Um, 
What have you borrowed from financial institutions? And the worst thing you can ever do, by the way, is borrow from one institution to pay another institution. And so many people do that on their credit card. They use credit card A to pay credit card B. Or they draw money from their credit card to pay another. you just got to be so careful every time you do that. So the financial plan is the one plan that encapsulates everything about yourself. And I always have said that, that all that information be, should be kept in a life file, a file where you have all your, document, all your documents recorded for your family. I'll tell you what a lot of people don't do. On the death of one spouse, particularly where you're tying up an estate, today you, everyone gets three and a half million free of death duties, uh, and death duties ab- above a certain amount is 20%. But if one spouse dies, one of those documents is the important is, is to have your, your, your spouse who's passed on have their L&D account, liquidation and distribution account, so that you can get that benefit in the event of, of, um, of your death. Your family can get it. So these are all documents that should go, you should have in a lifestyle. But a financial plan, very simply, is putting together all the aspects of what we call peace of mind solutions, that's giving families peace of mind, giving you peace of mind. You can educate, you can pay your debt, and your family can live after you're gone. And then, obviously, preparing to give you some sort of financial freedom at retirement mm-hmm. where you have a home paid, you have no medical aid. I mean, you have a good medical aid, and you have no debt. And that's what a financial plan is. It's the putting together and the final jigsaw puzzle of all the pieces. And, it's not so, and so few people do it. The budgeting that comes into it. And, and sit with a financial planner and mm-hmm. put that plan together. But all the documents you need, your ID documents, your password documents, just think today. I mean, everything I get today is password protected. Passwords and all those things. Do your family know all your bank accounts, your credit cards? Do they know who you owe money to? Do they know who owes money to you? Do they know about all your investments? All those things should be kept in a life file, which is part of that financial plan. Brian? Is it not enough for me to have it in my head? <laughs> no. You're sure you can have it in your head. But that's another subject. That's those who know what is going on and those who think they know what goes on. Uh, uh. And those who ask what happened. Uh. So effectively, it's better for us to, to take this information down. But, but then the, the thing is, does that mean that we have to find somebody, at least one person, that we can trust with this information? Yes, it's very much like your will. Who's, going to, who's the executor of your will? Mm. Who is going to fo- carry out your wishes in terms of your will? When you have someone who's going to carry out your wishes in your will, you have what's called an executor. And that executor follows the wishes of the will and, the, and, and what you've said. And they've got to make sure that everything is done correctly, uh, people are paid correctly, uh, beneficiaries. So you, need reli- you do need someone reliable. I mean, think about children. And, God, and we talked about a will some months ago. But the guardian of a, of a will. I know I've come across in recent time, people have been appointed guardians, and unfortunately, uh, both parents have died, and the guardian doesn't want the children. They never even discussed it with the guardian. Are you prepared to take, take the children in? You know, your friends will say, yes, we'll take your children in. But, you know, they've got their own bills of life, their own expenses, their own kids to educate. So... If someone said, I'm going to take your child in, surely they should be saying, but tell me, do you have life insurance? What assets do you have? God forbid something happens. Will, how, will there be enough money 
to help us support your child. Mm. So it's not just appointing a guardian or anything. It's understanding the people that you are involved with. Okay. Brian, I've got a number of questions coming through for you. And in fact, I'm going to uh, go to, to some of them now. Uh, let me begin with this one. Hi, Kathy and Brian. If an individual owes me money, it's linked to the subject that we started off today with, uh, which has which was not recorded as friends. How can I blacklist them? So I think it's an individual wanting to blacklist another individual that owes them money. Can you actually do that, Brian? Absolutely. If, if, really? If sorry, sorry. If there's an arrangement to repay money or to pay money on certain terms, if there's no agreement and it's open-ended, very mm. difficult. Uh, because, I mean, who, who's going to say, I mean, you lend me money, you don't give me terms, you don't tell me when I've got to pay it back, you don't tell me how much I've got to pay monthly, and then you want to, you can't, just, you know, there's got to be a proper information and evidence provided to that individual that they owe you the money. Mm-hmm. But if someone owes you money and they agree to terms and it's in writing, you can, absolutely. You go to an attorney or you go to the courts and you can take a judgment against them. But before you take judgment against anyone, rather tell them what you're going to do and and, 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 and if they don't respond, let them know I'm going to go and um, uh, get an order against you from the courts uh, and that will cause problems for you. D- discussion and communication is far better than just doing it. And you can't just take judgment against anyone without them knowing because that was the, one of the points I made. Mm-hmm. They need to be aware that of, of, of exactly what's happening. So the trick then is for it to for it to have been documented on paper. So it's not good enough that I gave you the money and we had a verbal agreement on how you're going to pay it back, but there must be evidence of uh, a contract or agreement of sort that has been signed uh, between the two individuals. Yeah, don't get me wrong. A verbal agreement is is binding in law. The only the only the only document that needs to be completed is a sale of property that has to be in writing. But you and I can have an agreement. I could you, I could have lent you. Can I prove that I lent you the five thousand rand? Mm. Can I prove that you were paying me two hundred and fifty rand a month and you stopped? Uh, and therefore, we knew the term that you'd paid back over three years. So verbal agreement's binding, but it's got to be, I mean, you've got to be able to show that there was a verbal agreement. Okay. All right. Brian, thanks for that. Very enlightening. So uh, there you have it. You can actually do that uh, uh, to answer the question coming through on uh, the WhatsApp line. Okay. I've got also a couple of WhatsApp voice notes for you, Brian. Uh, can you please ask Brian that uh, I've, I've got... Um, a wealth plan uh, from clientele, uh, which I pay every month. So I was just wondering, is it a uh, a good sort of investment on my side, in a way, or or should I be maybe looking maybe to get maybe another one? that maybe will help me become financially stable in the future. Brian? Yeah, okay, very simply, I would never just give up a wealth plan. A wealth plan is you're saving money. The, the, the one thing that you need to understand is you need to understand your time horizon, how long are you saving the money for, and that will determine what type of investment you make. So you can buy a room from Sunlum, 
and I, th- I think you said Sunlam, but I think it's Sunlam. You can buy a room from Sunlam, but now you've got to actually furnish the room, which is the investment. So if it's a long-term investment, you're going to be a little bit more growth-orientated. So have a look, find out how are you invested. Are you invested? If you've got a 10-year investment horizon, then you're going to be much more growth-orientated with taking more risk than if you've got a two-year time horizon. When you say an adding, remember a financial plan is not started today and ends today. It's an ongoing plan. So when you made the comment, should I be taking more? Yes, all the time, as you earn a little bit more, as you've got a bit more available, more should be set aside. And it doesn't mean you you can't take a second plan. It doesn't mean you can't take a third plan. You know, there are people who every year or two, they've got an investment and all they do is escalate that investment, uh, increasing it by 10% a year or 20% a year, uh, the investment. But if you've got plans with insurance company, there are limitations on how much you can increase. But a unit trust, if you start with 100 Rand, make sure that that 100 Rand increases every single year. Because you've got two things are happening. One is inflation, so the purchasing power of your money is falling, so you need to be increasing. And secondly, hopefully, if you're earning a bit more, you want to be saving more. So the, the more you save, the longer you save, the more you will have ultimately that financial freedom. All right, Brian, let me bring this question to you before we go to uh, the latest news headlines. Uh, Hi, Cathy. Is a final letter of demand from SARS a judgment? And how does SARS criminally charge a debt? Uh, If Brian can please shed some light. That's a question from Joe in Joburg South. Very, very much. A final demand from SARS. SARS can go straight into your bank account. SARS can get a garnishing order on your salary. There are lots of ways SARS can recover their money. So any final payment, any letter of demand from SARS needs to be dealt with. You need to talk to SARS. You can negotiate terms with SARS. They do charge um, high rates of interest, but you can negotiate. Don't leave SARS. You know, if you, SARS, SARS, the, the banks today act as agents for the receiver revenue. In other words, if you owe SARS 10000 Rand, and tomorrow suddenly 10,000 Rand comes into your bank account, that money can be paid over to SARS on, on your behalf by your banks. I, I think it's a bit iniquitous, a little bit unfair, because sometimes the money isn't always owed to SARS. You have the right to go back to SARS and make sure that it's correct. But don't, as I've always said, don't ignore any letter of demand. And, and the, the most difficult is SARS, because they have a lot of powers to collect their money. They can collect mm. it from investments you've got, from retirement funds. They can collect it from your salary. They, Without they've your permission. <laughs> they've, they've got you over a barrel. Okay, all right. Brian, I'm going to ask you to stay on the line. It's 10.30 and Musa is standing by with your latest news headlines. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Of course, we continue talking finance with uh, Brian Hirsch uh, and more questions coming through on the WhatsApp line. Uh, Morning, Kathy. Please ask for me if I owe an institution, then the debt collectors buy the credit and begin demanding a payment from me directly to them with a lot of interest. Can I ignore them and go and settle with the institution that I own? That's a question on the WhatsApp line for you, Brian. Hello, Brian. The, 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 the interest rates are exorbitant, and sometimes uh, a, a debt that starts up at a few thousand rand mounts up enormously because of the interest. You need to go to the institution and try and negotiate with the institution and try and avoid uh, uh, paying debt collectors' fees and high rates of interest. 
That's why I, I, I make the comments again, and I can't make it. I can't make it enough because people don't realise if you have debt and you do not communicate with the people you owe money to, it's going to become a problem. That debt is going to escalate by debt collectors in high interest rates of payment. Go to the parties and come find some way, some terms. We've had a terrible time in South Africa for 14 months. People have been out of work. People haven't been earning anything near what they may have been earning before. Companies have reduced salaries. Companies these are reduced numbers of days of work they pay for. And therefore, these institutions know that this has happened. So you need to go and you need to appeal to them and find ways. But if you leave it in the dark, you will end up paying a lot more. You will not get away with it. So go and talk to the institutions that you owe money to or anyone you owe money to. Have that conversation. All right. Brian, before I let you go, your contact details for people to get in touch with you. Your 11 880 11 Little bit of an apology. Two of my staff members that had tested positive in the last three weeks, they're both okay today, but we've closed the offices for the moment. So we only go in once a week, and I think we're going in tomorrow. One of them is going in just to clear all the things and do what's got to be done. So there has been some delays. All right. Thank you so much for that, and we certainly wish uh, you and your colleagues all of the best, Brian. Please do no, keep no safe. Hey? Thanks, Kathy. Thanks a lot. Thank all right. You. Brian Hirsch there. And that's where we'll leave it with this week's edition of Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch.